The By the Hood podcast is brought to you by the book, Own Your Time and Space, written by Corey Camp and Jimmy the Blueprint Williams. All throughout history, you will see time and space as having significant importance, but never discussed as it will be in this book. You can learn the true importance of time and space and how having a better understanding of these concepts can lead to a better life. It deals with ownership of not only your time, but the space around you. You can get your copy at ownyourtimeandspace.com or you can go right to Amazon and look up Own Your Time and Space. The By the Hood podcast is sponsored by the Discover Your Options Bootcamp. Getting started with trading options may seem intimidating, but with Discover Your Options, you'll be up to speed faster than you could have ever imagined. No matter what your ultimate goal is, learn the basic skills and gain all the confidence needed to ultimately win in the exciting world of options. For more information, click the link under Discover Your Options in our show notes. And for 20% off, make sure to use the code BYTHEHOOD, one word, for the 20% discount. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the By the Hood podcast slash webcast because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host as always. My name is Jimmy. Um, as we start off every show, we just want to say thank you to all of our supporters on every platform. We appreciate you sharing this content. We're continuing to grow. And, um, you know, this is about the community. It's not about us. So I just want to say thank you because that's how we start off all of our shows. Um, also, just to give you a little update of kind of what we got going on, we had the Discover Your Options course, uh, which is teaching brothers and sisters how to trade options and joining a community of people that make money in the options game. Um, we have a couple other things coming up as well in terms of real estate and, and courseworks. So we want to make sure people are out there getting the information. Um, we have the Buy Your Hood merch. You can find that in uh, the links uh, as well as the show notes. But as always, I got my brother Corey in the building. Corey, how are you, sir? Man, living the vida loca. Yeah. Back living in the, the life. Mobile <laughs> office is where I live at, man. Yeah, still trying to get the work done. Listen, um, and like I said, our show is to highlight brothers and sisters who are doing great work in the community, building huge businesses, um, you know, just doing, doing work that needs to be applauded and it needs to be highlighted. Um, and this show is no different. We have a, a living legend in the building. Um, this brother is, is doing work um, in the tri-state area, primarily Philadelphia, uh, as he just told us, Chester, um, as well as Delaware, Chester County, that is. Um, and he, it, what, I, what I like most about him is um, how he uses his platform. He uses this platform to inspire and to teach, you know, um, and as he always say, what a beautiful day to get it. Uh, so without further ado, I want to introduce Doug Depp. Doug, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great, man. It's just another beautiful day to get it. I just want to thank you guys for having me. Just another opportunity to share, you know, game and knowledge to your audience as well as other people. So hopefully they can take the information and change their lives forever. Let's Absolutely, man. One of the things I find inspiring about you, and again, I'm, I'm going to make sure I share his Instagram page. He has an amazing Instagram page where he like gives all the game away. Like he doesn't hide anything, which is impressive because, you know, a lot of times there are people out there that, you know, um, they, they create their own system and they find ways, but they don't give back the information. Doug gives everything back. Right. Um, but your story of how you got to this, you, you, you know, you, you, you weren't giving anything. You actually work for this. But what I find interesting is the sacrifices you made. Right. So um, for our audience who may not know, give them a little bit about your background. Where were you born, went to school? And tell us about that transition from, I, remember, I know uh, just from doing a little bit of research, you worked at a bank and then made the transition into building your own. Give us a little bit about that backstory. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I was born in Camden, New Jersey. I didn't live in Camden, but uh, I was fortunate enough to live in Somerdale up until I was four. Uh, from there, we moved to a place in Montgomery County right outside of Philadelphia called Bluebell. 
And um, Bluebell's a nice area. And uh, I went through a grade school at Wissickin School District up until fifth grade. And in fifth grade, I was actually recruited. I went to a summer camp. Kobe Bryant was actually my counselor, but I was recruited um, by Germantown Academy to attend, you know, middle school as well through high school to play basketball. But we were able to finagle, you know, uh, academic scholarship slash financial need. And that really just changed my life being in that environment. I mean, there was a situation where you have kids, you know, getting um, limo service to school, you know, in middle school, getting Range Rovers at 16, getting the private jets to Australia for a long weekend. <laughs> like it, it was unreal. I mean, I was going to the bar and bought mitzvah. So I was really exposed to a culture, to a, a whole lifestyle that I never would have gotten, you know, anywhere else. So what I realized was that you know, these guys were actually like super wealthy and we, my family was nowhere near super wealthy or anything. We were, you know, working just to get by, just to make things happen. And I lived in a nice neighborhood and so forth. But I mean, um, from that standpoint, I really started to just dissect what it was that these parents did. You know, they're doctors, there's lawyers, they own companies. But what I realized was there's a commonality, right? The commonality was that these guys own real estate. You know, they had second houses, vacation houses, they had rental properties, they had apartment buildings. So I just started to really get fascinated about that because I knew that one day when I do have kids, now I want to see what that limo service feels like, you know, going to middle school. I want to see what writing that check for that Land Rover feels like for my, for my kids and so forth. So that really kind of just changed my whole dynamic, my whole thought process. Man, that's amazing because I know what Germantown, Corey, that's a, school, that's a school that your son went to at one point, right? Uh, my, my son went to Germantown Friends. Germantown Friends. I, all right, because Germantown Friends. Yeah, I just know that Corey was paying like uh, uh, two mortgages to send his kid there. But uh, Germantown was. Academy, <laughs> Germantown Academy is also a school that's like you know rather expensive as well. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's a, that's a that's a nice move. So tell us about um, you know, after that, because I know you uh, worked at a bank for a minute. How'd you get into working for a bank? Yeah. So you know, all all growing up through school and so forth, uh, my parents had finance background. So my mom was a financial analyst. My dad was a, has a CPA background, but he worked as a president of a Philadelphia International Record Company with Gamble and Health for a little bit. Okay. He had, a, had another business with Dick Gregory with the Bohemian Diet for a little bit as well. And then he worked for a multi-level company for the majority of my childhood. So they were always working from home. They even traded the stock market, which I got interested in that. But so right away at like 18 years old, I knew that I wanted to go to school um, and, and pursue finance. So I ended up getting a, a financial degree from University of Delaware, and I finished in like three and a half years. And during that whole school time, I was actually working in sales to pay my way through school. And I was just working summer breaks, winter breaks, and spring breaks. And I mean, I was cutting hefty checks and just part-time pulling in about 60 grand um, for the year. But those checks were going right out to pay for school, pay for my car, and then um, I ended up getting a job as, as a financial analyst with Bank of America. They had like a leadership rotational program where they only selected five people in, the, in total of the finance department at University of Delaware. So I was very fortunate to be a part of that. But, you know, I worked my butt off. Like I was going to interview after interview. All these companies would come to the school. J.P. Morgan uh, gave me an offer. There was uh, DuPont gave me an offer. Bank of America gave me an offer. So I was happy to be selected uh, into that. But that's where I started the whole finance and the corporate world, really working for Bank of America, which was, I mean, it was a, it was a trying time because that was right during the whole uh, bank crisis, the whole nationalization scare. So I was mm -hmm. exposed to some things that were, that were pretty crazy. <laughs> so um, one thing that's a common uh, denominator so far in your story is like you about that work, like you, you don't mind putting the work in. Um, right. 
And I also know that you've made sacrifices. Like one of the things I heard you talk about before is like having a home and living in your garage just to stack money because, so can you tell us that story real fast? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, right out of college, I lived in an apartment building for, um, for a year. And I said, you know what, I don't want to rent anymore. I'm tired of giving people, you know, funds just to, just to put a roof over my own head. And I took, to take a step back, I invested in this real estate course with Donald Trump, you know, back <laughs> when I was 20 years old, I dropped $3,000. So that was like a huge investment for me. But while I was living in the garage, I bought a new construct, or excuse me, I bought a new construction property and I used the FHA program. So I only had to put down three and a half percent. This was back when Obama was giving his $8,000 tax credit. Yeah. So I put up 16,000 and I got the 16,000 just by being very frugal, saving all my money. I invested in some stocks so when the nationalization was taking place. I actually loaded up on the bank stocks at $3, $4. I'm talking about Bank of America went from $60 to to $3.50. So I loaded up on that. I cashed out at $16. So that was my down payment money. Um, went to FHA program, bought the house. I got the $8,000 back. But during that time, I had a girlfriend, a girlfriend. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to pay this mortgage at all. So like, what do you mean you don't want to pay it? Like, I don't want to pay it. Like, it's, it's $1,200 a month. I don't want to pay it. But then I woke up with another idea. I said, hey, how about we go ahead and rent the, the rooms out in this property? Keep in mind, it's a four bedroom, three and a half bath property. So she's like, rent the rooms out. Like, so then she put up some, uh, some criteria, right? She didn't want a guy moving in our age, which is understandable. Didn't want a, a lady living you know, in the pro uh, property. That's understandable, our age. She didn't want a creepy old man living in the property. Also <laughs> understandable. So I, my hands are tied behind my back, right? So I said, you know what? I went on Craigslist and I found a retired grandmother. So when I found a retired grandmother, I moved her in and now she's paying me $750 to live in my uh, basement, like right behind the garage. There's another room. It's like a suite. It has its, uh, you know, its own uh, exit. It has its own bathroom. So mm -hmm. she's paying me $750. I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like she's paying me in cash. So as I'm working at Bank of America, people are calling me crazy. They're like, man, this guy has a retired grandmother he met. He doesn't <laughs> know who she is. And he's just in here just living. So then I woke up another morning. I said, you know what? We still have two more bedrooms left. So I said, we need to, like, I'm still not trying to pay this mortgage. Yeah, I cut the mortgage down in the half, but I'm still not trying to pay this mortgage at all. She said, no, you're getting out of hand. You're getting way out of hand. Like, we live on the top floor. Those other two rooms are right across the hall. There's no way that I'm going to allow a stranger to live on the same floor as us. So I woke up one morning. I said, you know what? You know, do you want to be rich or do you want to be poor? She thought about it for a while, but she said, you know what? Um, you know, I grew up basically poor getting by. I'm used to it. So I, I don't have any desire to be rich or anything. So the whole day I'm scratching my head. I'm like, like, what do you mean? You're okay being poor. Like, this doesn't make any sense. So I say, you know what? Um, this is not going to work. So like, what do you mean it's not going to work? This relationship is not, <laughs> not going in the direction I wanted to go in. Like I've seen too much. I've seen these guys getting private jets to Australia at 16. Like, why would I just settle just living in a townhome in Delaware, checking in the Bank of America every single day in and day out? And uh, I mean, Bank of America is laying people off left and right, like leaving them in tears, carrying like boxes, you know, during the whole nationalization scare. So I said, this is not going to work. So I gave her a two-week notice. I said, it's <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, hey, it's real. So I gave her two that's that's gangster. I said, yeah. I a two-week notice. I said, yo, this is simply not going to work. I need you to, um, 
because I'm going to rent these rooms out and I don't have any desire to be poor. I'm going to go ahead and, and see what this wealth looks like. So long story short, she may have thought I was joking. I don't know, but I went right back on Craigslist and I found two guys from Las Vegas that were looking to relocate to Delaware because Delaware opened up a new casino and they worked at the Belician and they were laying off like crazy. So they, so they came to manage the poker room in Delaware. So two weeks was coming and these guys are walking up the stairs with their furniture and she's basically walking down the stairs crying in tears like, I can't believe this. You know, we've been together for three years, but I had to make that sacrifice, right? I had to make that hard decision, which was very hard. I mean, it kept me up at night. So long story short, I'm getting money now from those guys, the, the smaller rooms, they're paying me 650, 650. So that's another $1,300. I still have the grandmother living downstairs for 750. So now I'm, I'm sitting here in the master- Cash flowing. Cash flowing crazy. So now I'm sitting in the master, master suite, right? I got the, the soaking tub in the bathroom. I got the stand-up shower. I got the double vanity. I got the walk-in closet. I have the balcony. I'm living like a king, only like 23, 24 years old. So I say, you know what? I don't need any of this. I'm not trying to impress anyone at all. I'm very frugal. I'm eating rice, beans, broccoli every single day. So I said, you know what? I have a two-car garage. Why don't I just take this king bed, move from the third floor all the way down to the first floor, which would be right on the slab. Why don't I move all that down there? I made a makeshift closet. I remember it vividly. I made a makeshift closet with the bars so that I could hang up all my suits and so forth that I was wearing at the bank had my clothes, I brought down my dressers, everything right there in the garage. And I ended up renting out the master for another 750. We got, so we got 750, 750, 650, 650. And even my roommates were like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? You got a good paying job at Bank of America. And at that point I was a senior financial analyst. So I'm getting paid, you know, pretty handsomely. But I said, you know what, you know, I'm, I'm saving everything. Like everything that's coming in, I'm living off of like, living off, I'm saving about 95% of my take-home pay. Sheesh. Because I got that cash flow coming in, so I got my overhead covered, no car payment, and I'm just stacking, and that's really when I started to, to accelerate and start buying up properties. But it's that sacrifice that I had to make, and I'm talking about, you know, we didn't have, I didn't have heat in the garage. There's I was no going to ask you, how'd you heat the garage? Like, how'd you... Hey, listen, I got it. Like I'm, like I'm all about the survival mode, right? So I had a sub-zero sleeping bag, and I'm talking about the sleeping bag where it's like a cocoon. It's got the hood, so you can just tighten it up, and it was, it was good for negative 20 degrees. So, so I'm straight, right? You know, I'm right through the winter time. It's snow on the on the ground and everything. I can't wait to get back in a cocoon because it really just made me sharp and really let me know that no matter what happens, I'm gonna be good. I'm a survivor, and I can get through any and everything. Oh man, listen. Um, you make sacrifices that the average person just is not gonna make. But I'm listening uh, to this like, damn, like, <laughs> like you, you, you cash flowing, you know, uh, twenty five hundred a month on your on your apartment, and you still sleeping in the cocoon. I'm like, you wilding. Like, yeah, but listen though, man, it's this this is what makes your story amazing. You live in a movie right now, man. So, because the average person wouldn't be willing to do that, but you had you had um you had your vision already. Yep. Um. So, so now, how'd you make that transition from, um, you know, financial analyst to, to getting into the real estate game and then making that your full-time career? Absolutely, absolutely. So, great question, right? So, during that whole time, people call me crazy. I say, you know what? I'm going to buy an investment property. So, I bought my first investment property out in Coatesville, and I was able to work it out where I only had to put down 10% of my money, put down the 10%. I ended up renting that out, Section 8, because my cousin put me onto the Section 8 play. And she was like, hey, Doug, you know, 
I have this great big house and I'm only paying 150 or $175 a month. I said, how are you doing this? So you don't know about the Section 8 program. So she put me on the game and I was like, wow, so you're telling me that every month you just got to pay this small fee and the government is going to pay the rest. So yeah, absolutely. She's like, even better yet, the reason why I stay on it, because I actually have a job that's paying, the reason why I stay on it is because if I were to lose my job, then Section 8 would just pay 100% of the rent. So I'm like, wow, that's mind-boggling. And me being a, a hands-off guy, you know, working the desk day in and day out, I say, yeah, it just makes sense. Just keep buying these Section 8 properties and collecting those funds, you know, month in and month out. So that really helped with the transition. So as I'm saving everything, I'm just reinvesting the bag. I'm reinvesting those funds because I'm knowing that they're continuing to compound. So like, for instance, I put down, say, ten dollars to $12,000, but I'm getting that money back, you know, a little over a year, and I'm seeing returns anywhere between 60 to 85% return on my money. So that's when I knew that, man, this real estate, that's it. That's the answer. Yeah, yeah. A quick couple of questions based on that. First thing I forgot to ask you is, what did your parents think when you were living in a garage and you were making all those moves? What did they think about uh, your strategy? I mean, my pops was with it. Like, he... Like he's extremely frugal as well. So I think, okay. I think that's where I get a lot of that frugality from. He was a guy that'll drive the car, you know, 25 years. If it's running, he's keeping it, even though he was able to, you know, provide for the family. My mom, on the other hand, she's, she's frugal, but she's frugal with a purpose, but she still likes spending money and kind of showing mm -hmm. off a little bit, but she definitely believes in getting the discount. So they thought, my mom, you know, my, my dad was like cheering me on. My mom was kind of like, you are, you, are you sure you want to do that? You know, <laughs> Might get frostbite and so forth. So I said, nah, mom, it, it's all good. So I just, they were cool with it because they saw that I was building up traction and that I had a burning desire to make things happen. And I was going to be regardless. And, and you talked about the Section 8 program, right? So um, and, and it's funny with everything that we got going on. So I've been investing in real estate and stock so long that um, I've, I've been around on a dot-com bus, uh, 2008, 9-11, yeah. all those things. In the dot-com bus. Woo! Yeah, sheesh, yeah, sheesh. Yeah. But listen, the crazy part is one of the reasons I was able to survive like in the, around 2008 or whatever is because most of my rentals were Section 8. Mm -hmm. So when a lot of people weren't getting rent, um, I was getting rent because most of my tenants didn't have a job anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, so yeah, yeah, just something to think about. So um, now that you've built up a portfolio, do you still do Section 8? Uh, and, and if so, like what percentage of your portfolio is Section 8? Yeah, I love Section 8. Um, probably if I look at my portfolio, I'm probably about like 60, 40. So 60, okay. Section 8, 40, like market uh, tenants. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I love Section 8. I haven't missed a payment. Uh, the tenants love it as well because I'm making these properties. Uh, they basically look like luxury rentals. You know, they look like the rentals, the same rentals that people are paying $2,000, $3,000, $4,000 for is what I'm providing at an affordable cost right here in North Philadelphia and providing it to, you know, potential Section 8 tenants. Yeah, yeah. And and that's a good thing, right? So that's another way to look at it is um, because you're not trying to be a slumlord. You're trying to provide a quality uh, place for them to live. And the thing about Section 8 is with those inspections, they keep you on your game. So you, you, it's kind of like you can't be a slumlord. And people still find a way, but it makes you make sure you keep your upgrades and everything right. Um, so now what you're... That's, what, that's how you got to where you are. You got into the real estate game and then you started, uh, you know, um, using your strategies to build up a portfolio. Uh, about, around how many properties are you uh, currently have? Hey, not enough. Not enough. Never, never enough, huh? Never enough, man. I know we got a bunch on the board that we're about to close on and so forth. So I, really, I had to take another audit and really just count the property. You don't even know how many units you got. But I mean, what's your goal? Do you have a goal number? Is it a number well, in terms of cash thousand. flow? The oh, goal a thousand. is a thousand. Yeah, I, I want to see, see what 500000 a month feels like. 
Okay. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. So your goal is, is it based on units or cash flow? Cause those are two different things. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a mixture of both. I'm averaging say $500 a unit um, on cash flow. So, you know, roughly about a thousand units or so. Okay. But, but the main goal, the, really the main goal, cause you know, once I hit that, then it's like, you know, what's next. The main goal is really to do you know, one of two things. One is to fix up as many abandoned properties in Philadelphia as possible and change the neighborhoods and really provide like quality housing for the, for the low to moderate income. And then in addition to that, so that way, like the goal is never really ending. It's always something to continue to strive and work toward. Cause I could just be like, all right, you know, at 200 units, I'm done. That's it. Then I'm going to go ahead and live my life. But I'm just dividing, putting these systems together in place. That way things can continue to run without me actually physically having to be there and have more freedom and mobility. So the, the first goal also was to get me out of that corporate setting, out of that corporate job. Then in addition to that, get my wife out of her corporate job. And now the next thing is get my, you know, my kids, whenever they come, get them out of their situation where they don't have to necessarily work for someone. And then now it's like, all right, let's get that next generation out. So it's really just building that generation thing where, you know, everyone's always going to be good that's around me. Man, that's dope. And, and that's one of the things I said about like um, your page, which is inspirational, is uh, how family oriented you are. Like, right. you know, I, I see you got your wife retired now. She's working with you. Um, and I always see, I always, I always like love the videos when you uh, have your pop at the sites with you. Yeah, so that's, yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty dope. That's pretty dope. Yeah, that's, my, that's my guy. And that's really what it's about. It's about freeing up your time. Because I know if I was working corporate, if I wanted to spend time with my family, take them to the movies, take them to the doctor's appointments, whatever that may be, I would have had to check in and, and put in a notice like, hey, I got to go over here. To, you know, it was just too much checking in, just too much, you know, relying on someone else to put food on my table. So that's just a position I never wanted to be in. To be like, man, if, if this person doesn't pay me, I'm not going to eat. So I always wanted to be a fisherman. I never wanted to be the guy just receiving the fish. Ooh, I like that bar. <laughs> I think I'm, that's, a, that's a show title right there, Corey. That, yeah, 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 that, right. that was hard. Like, yeah, that, that, was, that, yeah that, was, that was crazy bars right there. I want to be the fisherman, not the guy that receives the fish. Right. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty good there. Um, so now you, you made the transition. You're, you're building your empire. Um, so let me ask you a couple questions. First off, um, what is the biggest hurdle that you had to overcome to go from where you were to where you are now? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest hurdles was, um, so early on in my career, I was putting the 10 to 20% down, basically properties that were ready to go. But when I started to step into that Philadelphia market, I said, you know what, I want to do something different. I see people taking these shells and turning them around and make them look real nice. So I ended up getting involved with someone that uh, sold me a shell for 25,000. He also did a construction at 75,000, but he kind of persuaded me into stepping away from my, 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 uh, the way I did business in terms of using other people's money. I had cash aside. So he said, you know what, why don't you just go run through this project with cash? I said, you know what, I never did this before, but I'm gonna go ahead and take that step and, and take that risk. So long story short, it took about two years to finish that project. So imagine having a hundred thousand dollars tied up and I paid a lot in advance because things were rolling. You no know, demo got done fast. Framing got done fast. But as the money was dispersed, then the work started to slow up. The excuses started to show up. And now and I was in a situation for two years, having all that cash tied up to the point where it's like, man, like I still want to buy real estate. How do I go about buying this real estate? So I had to one, figure out new avenues to acquire properties. So that's through getting business lines of credit, credit cards, cash advances, what have you. And two, I, I told myself that I never want to put this much control into someone else's hands for the projects that I'm putting together. 
So that's when I started to really pay attention to how this project was getting put together. I was like, man, these guys are no smarter than me. I can put together a project. So that's when I started studying and researching how I could be my own GC. And now that's what I'm doing. I'm GCing my own projects to the point where I can put everything together and I'm basically mitigating the risk of saying, hey, here's, here's all the funds. Let this GC, you know, I hope you get the project done and I hope you don't run off the money. So that was the huge life lesson, you know, having that much money tied up. I had to find alternatives. And I knew right then and there, I could have done two things, right? I could have quit and gave up and just turned my back on real estate completely and just sat down at the cubicle and really hugged it for another 30 years of my life. Or I could say, you know what, we're going to keep moving forward. I'm going to figure out a way to make this right. And I'm going to figure out a way to never be in this position again. And that's what I chose. Oh, man, man. Interesting. Interesting. So where do you get your work ethic from? I think it's a combination, right? You know, watching my parents grind like day in and day out in different businesses that they had was remarkable. Like they worked from home, but I mean, they were the hardest working people that I know. And uh, even when I was younger, my dad would wake me up at like 4.30 in the morning. We lived in a 5,000 square foot house, but he would have me clean the carpets with hot water, a little bit of soap and a rag. So imagine, you know, you eat throughout the house and steps and so forth. So I was literally like wax on, wax off, like, you know, Mr. Miyagi, <laughs> like Daniel's son like cleaning these carpets. I'm like, dad, I don't understand. Like, why are you waking me up in the morning every single weekend to clean these carpets? But I was just, you know, it got to a point where I was waking up before my dad to clean these carpets. So I already knew he was going to knock on my door. Like, hey, Joe, you know, you know what time it is it's time to clean up this house and so forth. So uh, I got a little bit of that from them. And then also just, you know, playing uh, sports competitively was huge. So, you know, being at Germantown Academy, we're nationally ranked we were actually ranked higher than LeBron's, uh, LeBron James's high school team back then. So we actually had to fly at the Akron to play him. But, you know, after every single game, no matter if we lost or won, we had to show up the next day to practice like nothing happened. Like we we're getting ready for the next, next opponent. We we're getting ready for the next, next task, the next assignment. So I think that work ethic and just play, playing basketball for that high level uh, organization just instilled with me. And some of my buddies that I know that I played with, they have that same work ethic. Like my, my best friend, Brian Grimes, his work ethic is just like me. I can call him at 4.30 in the morning. You know, we're out putting the plays together and so forth. So I think just the sports, mixed between the sports and what I was received just growing up, just that work ethic was just, just in me. Okay. Um, how'd the game go against LeBron, by the way? Oh, we lost by six points. And I, you know, just to put it clear, I was on the bench because I had a knee surgery. So I had like three knee surgeries. So my hoop dreams deflated uh, pretty early, so I didn't play in college or the NBA. But a lot of guys that I played with, you know, have played in the NBA as well as overseas. Yeah, I mean, Germantown Academy has an amazing program. They cooked us when I um yeah. play. I, we play high school ball. But me and Corey both played for Central. But yep, back yep. in our day, we got cooked. That's when they had uh, Alvin Williams. But that's oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Who, who actually went to the who actually went to the league too. Yep, but um, yep. so we know we know what y'all program is about. Okay. Um. Yeah, man. So listen, your story is amazing. You're like sitting on a movie, man. Um, and, and I see, like I said, you, you, you retired your wife or whatever. Um, how, how, when did she come in in the process? Did she come in when you were living in the garage? Like, yeah, she, was I, with me, she was with me shooting in the gym. So when I was in the garage, like one of our early dates, when she came to the house, I wanted to show her my garage because that was like the test, right? So, okay. hey, I want to show you how I'm living. Like, this like is Prince Hakeem. <laughs> I, I was always big on just keeping it 100% real. So I wasn't one of the guys like on, on the first date, we just out here balling. Yeah. But then when the situation changes, when you're not trying to ball every single day, 
it's like, you know, what's going on? I thought you was this, you know, guy at the, you know, wherever people he's spending money at. But the beautiful thing is, like, even on the first day, we went half. Like, I wasn't the guy. I just go, oh, I'm going to cover everything. And this is mm-hmm. that. But once you saw the garage, you know, it's like, wow, this guy's really living in the garage. But, you know, she had the mental capacity to realize that this is just temporary. Like, he has a plan. Most people would have been like, you know what, he's in the garage. Something's wrong with him. Leave him alone. You're like, he's broke or something. He, he, you know, he can't figure it out. But, yeah. uh, but yeah. So you got the Chico. How how powerful is it to have your significant other who has the same vision as you? How how that change your business or how that like you know change your life? Like ten x it, man. It ten x it. It's so important to pick the right partner because that can really make you or break you. Like if you have someone that is basically holding you back, you know, feeding negativity in your mind, saying you can't do this, you can't do that. You know, I need you home at four o'clock, but deals are being made after four o'clock. So you, you got to have that person that you can work with, that you can trust, and that you can grow with. And they might not get the vision initially, but as long as they have that positivity and they kind of support where you're going, then as you start to prove yourself and start to accumulate these properties at the properties, start seeing the cash flow, then you really are turning them into like a hundred percent believer. So it might not happen overnight. Like talk is cheap, but action is everything. So you really got to just lead with the action, lead with the work. You know, you just can't be sitting here dreaming and pondering like, oh, one day I'm going to have a hundred properties but you still watching the TV show. Like you got to cut the cable off. You got to cut the distractions off. You got to turn the game off. You got to stop doing these things and really just focus and lock in if you want to get it to the next level. Man, that's it. <laughs> he dropping gems all over the place. Oh, yeah, man. Just, hey, don't, don't that's not a gem. That's a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bomb. yeah. No doubt, no doubt. So listen, um, you know, we want to take up too much of your time. You already told us your future plan is to try to get up to a thousand and a half million in cash flow. And that, listen, man, I'm, we are rooting for you to do that. So along this journey also, um, give us something that's been inspiring to you, maybe a book or a person or a quote or anything. Yeah, yeah, let's see, some inspiration. Definitely get the book, um, The Richest Man in Babylon. The Richest George Man in Classen. Babylon George is huge. I, I, yeah, that's a classic. Um, that's really gonna teach you about, you know, being frugal with a purpose, really protecting your purse, protecting your funds, in addition to, you know, spending your money wisely. The whole name of the game is to spend your money so that way that money can keep producing for you. You know, generation after generation, that money is continuing to produce yourself. So once you get a strong grasp of how money works, then you know you're unstoppable out here. Absolutely. That's, that's, a, that's a great gem. The Richest Man in Babylon is a classic by George Classen because I, I remember reading that book. And the, the one thing I took the first time I read the book was to pay yourself first. Right. And also how every, every dollar you have is literally future income. And yep. once that clicks... And it doesn't matter what you do, whether you invest in yourself, whether you invest in real estate, you invest in the market, whatever it may be, but all the money you spend, you're really getting rid of future income. So if you look yeah. at it that way, it kind of changes. Oh man, Doug, listen, um, we appreciate your time. Um, want to say thank you for your time. We know how valuable that is. Uh, time is, this, is, the, is, this, is the resource that we all, you know, um, only have so much of. So thank you for that. Um, thank you for all the gems you dropped, man. And, and we just want to wish you a continued success. Corey, you got anything you want to add before we get out of here? Nah, man. Like you said, his life is a movie, man. He work harder than the mug, cause I, you know, I ain't sleeping in no goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not doing that shit. So yeah, but listen though, man. Listen, I love, I love this listen, story. I, I slept on the ground for for years in the army, so I know, I know that life. But when he did it, you know, to, with to a purpose. Prison, yeah, with a purpose. So he, he was fighting. He's fighting a war on poverty, man. He's fighting his he own was. war. That's he it. was a personal war on poverty, and I ain't mad at you. I, you know, I just know that kind of resolve is, is very rare. Yeah, so, man. 
Uh, you, you really, you really did live a movie though, like with the pot waking you up cleaning the carpet. That's like the Mister Miyagi scene in the movie. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And then, and then, and then, and then you transition. Yeah, I might have to go ahead and do a movie. Yeah, man, you got to do a movie. Yeah, it's you, when you it's when you hit that when you hit those thousand units, that's your next goal, man. Yeah, you gotta you gotta create the duck that movie, movie, man, because right. it's really inspiring, man. Like to, to see a young brother, because you still you still fairly young, man. And um, in your decision making process, I like the way you come to your decisions because when when the young lady told you you know she was good with being poor you was like yeah no nah, i'm out of here yeah, like I'm, 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 yeah and like it had, and it had to be a tough decision after three years so and and you and like you said you know people that wouldn't have been able to make that decision and that changed your life because now you have a partner who's like with you and it has the same vision and y'all out here killing it together which is amazing man absolutely and while, while we're kind of on that subject for anyone looking to get like um rehab funding as well as purchase funding, we got to hold the vision that my wife brokers loans and so forth. So for anyone interested, okay. they can go to loans at acquisition.capital. So loans at acquisition. Yeah, send me, send me that info and I'll put it in the description of this and everything. Um, and that's the last thing I want to talk about before we get out of here, because the one thing I do want to give you credit for is how much information you share. I see you with the ride alongs. In fact, I think I may go on one. I've been in the game so many years, but I, I, like I, I said, you never know everything, right? right? So I had a lot of young brothers come on this podcast, um, including Reek. I know, you, I know you and Reek do business together. Yes, my guy. Um, Tom, I've learned from all you guys because all you guys are very creative when it comes to this real estate game. Yeah. Um, so I love the fact that you're giving back. You give back the information. Uh, you know, so I've watched you like through your channel and uh, whatever, um, do the ride-alongs, um, do the mentorship. And I just want to um, say, you know, salute to you for that because our people need this information. Absolutely. That, yeah, thank you, man. I'm just trying to just share as much game as possible because I wish that I had this playbook when I started out, you know, 10 years ago. It would have made my life a lot more easier. I would have saved a tremendous amount of money. I would have, you know, been able to sleep good at night opposed to, you know, waking up wanting to know, like, hey, where's my money? Where's this going on? But it's just nice to be able to give back and make things easier for everyone else. Yeah. And for those watching, that's also a gem too. When you go, there's nothing wrong with being on Instagram. It depends upon who you're following. You, if you're following guys like Doug, guys like Reek, guys like Tom, people like Aisha, like so if you, all you have to do literally is go down to the people we've had on this show and you follow them, you could change your whole way of thinking right. because, um, you know, uh, people out here making moves, actually showing how they make moves and giving a lot of information. So, um, Doug, just want to say again, thanks for your time. Um, we're going to continue to root for you. We're going to stay in touch. Like I said, I might come through one of your ride-alongs to get pick up the gems because you're dropping all kinds of gems, man. And um, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm getting warmed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just want to say thanks for what you do for our people, though, because you reach back out to our people and you um give them the knowledge as well, and that's admirable. Um, and for those out there watching, make sure you take a look at what Doug has got going on. Like I said, um, he has one of the best uh, pages on IG, um, so right. I'll make sure I share that as well. Um, listen, and, and to the people out there, make sure you share this episode because uh, Doug gave a lot of gems in this episode. Okay. So make sure you share it. And to our uh, listeners, as we always say, it's not about how much money you make, it's about how much you keep. Game elevates, and we will check you all on the next episode. Peace. All right, let's get it.